So I want to start us off today with a definition of baptism. Just a definition of, ba- definition of baptism. There's a lot. When I say baptism, I think in a room this size, even amongst maybe uh, members of the church, you have a tough time maybe defining what baptism actually is. So I'll put the definition up here. And we're just going to basically walk through the parts of this definition. An ordinance of the church and a step of obedience after salvation that symbolizes a person's union with Christ. One of the most important words in there is the idea of symbolizes or it being a symbol. And that can mean a lot of different things. For example, you see some pictures up here. These are all symbols, right? You can go ahead and throw those slides up there. Yeah, so um, hold, yeah, keep those. We all know what this is, right? Peace sign, right? Love. Kids, you know what this is? Okay, what kind of fish? It looks like a fish. What kind? Why do we put this fish places? It's a Jesus fish or an ichthus, okay? It's okay. It's not a big deal. Um, next one. Okay, okay. You know that one more? Than, okay. And when you see the arches, does this, does this produce anything inside of you? Does it, does your, you start smelling french fries? They're really good at that when you drive by. Like, I don't know if, if uh, we've all had McDonald's in here, even if you don't want to admit it. We've all eaten McDonald's, right? So we know, like... McDonald's is, is, a, is a thing. And so we, we tend to see those and we see them so much that it probably connects to things inside of us that just seeing a normal M wouldn't, right? So those are, those are just kind of on the surface level symbols. Let's go to the next set of slides, okay? This symbol, birthday cake, right? Um, and everybody in this room, if you're old enough to remember a birthday, which most of you I think are, like this can produce a lot of emotions, even in adults in this room, like you think back to maybe your, your really good birthdays or maybe poor birthdays or birthdays that you didn't like. And so that simple symbol, the birthday cake, tells a story. Let's go to the next one. Right? Right. Got a warm fire there, the wreath, the garland on the, 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 uh, above the fireplace there on the mantle. You have the Christmas tree, you have presents. So again, probably for most of us, hopefully this elicits some kind of joy or feelings of nostalgia, right? But maybe for some of us, we don't like Christmas and we don't, we've, that, that brings up poor memories, but just that, even that's pro- that's none of our living rooms, right? But even just the symbols in that room bring up things inside of us. Let's go to the next one. Okay. This was selfishly for me. Um, baseball season started, best time of the year. Grass is getting green. Weather's getting warm. I can wax poetically all day about this. Um, but beautiful scene of a baseball stadium, right? Sun's going down. That brings up a lot of great memories from my childhood. Baseball was always something near and dear to my heart. And that, whatever that is for you, you could be. In. And then the last one. Yeah. Wedding rings, right? Um, man and woman there with their two rings on. And that right there, I mean, even if you're not married, you get it. But if you're for sure married, that just... That's a deep one, right? That's probably the deepest one up here of just everything, good emotions, hopefully most of the time, but even negative emotions could go into being married. And, and I'll come back to that marriage symbolism here in a second because I think it fits well with baptism. Um, you can take them down now. Thanks for doing that. Um, so some with these symbols, some are more meaningful, right? Some are deeper, the wedding rings. Some tell a deeper story when we just see things happening we're, we're taken back to 
memories and events, and those things have a sense of, of moving us, creating action. Like when you just see a peace sign just randomly up here, you're not going to, most of us probably like moved like deep emotions or even just a simple heart, right? We kind of know what it means, but it doesn't move us. It doesn't tell a deep story behind it. And baptism, its symbolism is deep. It tells a deep story. There is so much meaning wrapped up in baptism. And we're going to get to talking more about baptisms in a moment, but um, here's what's going on today, and here's how you're going to be a part of this. A lot of the people coming up here, I'd say all the people coming up here, you have played some kind of role in their life, right? Probably. I mean, if you're a member of Providence Road, for sure you have, right? For sure you have, because you've welcomed these people into the body. There's probably people that are coming through here that you're going to recognize, and you're going to know. And you're going to see those people, and you can take comfort and, and take pride to some degree in God using you in these people's lives. So you are a part of this. This isn't a, a passive thing this morning, okay? So why do we do baptisms? What's the point of this? Well, first off, that, you know, in that definition, I said it was an ordinance of the church. It's an ordinance of the church, which means Jesus told us to do it. Along with the Lord's Supper, communion, uh, baptism is a, an ordinance, one of the two ordinances in the church. Some people call those sacraments, depending on the tradition um, that you're a part of, but they are ordinances, meaning Jesus told the church, hey, do these things. They're important. They have meaning. Continue to do them until I return. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus clearly states here that we should baptize. Because then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Right, we see that there. Jesus clearly says, go, be missionaries, make disciples, talk about the gospel. When people come to know Jesus, baptize them. It's very clear, right? Baptize them when they become believers. And there's a progression of order there in my opinion. Okay, so because baptism is a church ordinance, it is connected to membership. When they are baptized, when a person is baptized, they are baptized as an individual, but it's not merely that. They're baptized into a local body of believers. They're baptized into the church. Baptism identifies a person with a church and to the world as a follower of Jesus. You could say that baptism is one way, um, is, is a way that the church formally publicly endorses someone's claim that they're a Christian. It's like the church saying, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've talked to them, we know them, and yes, they are a follower of Jesus. That's part of baptism being an ordinance, and Jesus says we should do that. Baptism means, the literal word for baptism, uh, baptizo in Greek means to dip or immerse or plunge something into water, Okay dip or immerse or to plunge something into water. And that's not just the biblical usage of it. That's the, the usage of it in, in Greek, in, in, that, that, uh, in, in everyday life. Now, that's what it means. Who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? Um, baptism is designed, in, in, in our viewpoint, to be the next logical step of obedience after God changes a person's heart. And they profess faith in Christ, then they should get baptized. Faith and trust that God lived, I mean, Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience that they could not, that Jesus died a death that they deserved to die, the person getting baptized, and that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive now, conquering sin, Satan, and death. And because he's alive, 
When someone has faith in him, they are alive too and will live for all eternity. That's what a person is having faith in, is putting their, their trust in when they are getting baptized. That precedes baptism in our opinion. A person who believes in Jesus, loves Jesus, desires to follow him in everyday life. This is the person who should get baptized. Now, the who of baptism, this is where some of the differences in uh, beliefs on baptism comes up. And I'm not going to get super deep into this, but I just want to take a few minutes to, to give an overview of the big buckets or categories of uh, beliefs on baptism, okay? And there's really primarily three of them. One, you have the Catholic view of baptism. And the Catholic view of baptism, again, I'm not being very nuanced here. This is just a summary, but Catholics would say, an Orthodox Catholic would say that baptiz- baptism is necessary for salvation. It is necessary for salvation. It's a, it's a means of grace that is given or bestowed on people through the church. And it is wrapped up in salvation. And Catholics would say that. Um, Orthodox Catholics would say it. So um, it's important in the Catholic church to, to baptize, um, and they would do it probably by sprinkling, do that as soon as possible because everybody wants their kids to be saved, so they would normally baptize people at a fairly early age, or as soon as they um, came into the Catholic Church, that would be encouraged for them. That's the first kind of um, um, category of belief when it comes to baptism. The second one is called the pedo-baptism position. Pedo, Greek meaning um, um, child or infant, Um, and this is where, this is a Protestant view, so not Catholic, Protestant. This is where infant children of believing parents are sprinkled close to birth. Right? So it's when both mom and dad believe they're Christians, and so then it's acceptable in these traditions to baptize or sprinkle infants. Okay, you find this in traditional denominations, not all of them, but most traditional denominations like Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian. Okay, these are uh, traditions or denominations that would hold this. And mainly what they're saying is this is, they're pointing back at circumcision in the Old Testament and kind of bringing that over till today and saying that uh, baptism in the New Testament is kind of equivalent to circumcision in the Old Testament, which is why we should do that to our infants, especially infants that are part of a family who believes. The other thing they'll point to, um, again, I'm not being very nuanced here, this is big, big picture, uh, but they would say that, or they would have a very high view of how a parent's faith affects the child's faith. In our church, we do put a high view on that. We wouldn't put as high of a view on that, saying that somehow a, a parent's faith can kind of cover the faith of a child. We wouldn't go that far in um, a Baptist church. Now, the last kind of um, category is believer's baptism, or what we would, or theologians call credo-baptism. Um, these found in churches like Baptist, Bible, a lot of non-denominational churches, and probably others I'm missing. Um, but it is saying that a person should only get baptized if they've professed faith, if they have a faith of their own. And normally that would occur sometime possibly after the age of maybe five or six. And that age is obviously arbitrary and subjective, but maybe early elementary school up into adulthood, someone we think would have the ability to profess faith. That's when someone should get baptized in our opinion. Now, some of the supporting things of this, because this is our position, um, you have Jesus's baptism. You have the ministry of John the Baptist there in the early part of the Gospels. It seems like that was how they uh, perceived baptism, unless seeing the story there. 
Most of the converts in Acts that became Christians were baptized by immersion after they were converted. So baptized underwater after they profess faith. You have Paul's teachings, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3, Colossians 2, and Romans 6. Romans 6 we're going to touch on here in a second. Where it seems to assume this baptism by immersion because they talk about the symbolism. The symbolism of life and then death going under the water and then coming back out of the water. And for that to be a true symbol, it seems like the mode and post-conversion, post after someone has faith, is an important piece of that if it truly is going to be a symbol of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And, all, and we've already touched on the Greek uh, meaning of baptizo. I think that's important that it was actually dip or immerse in water, and that's why it's called baptism in our opinion. Um, and then the last one I would say, and this is one that's often um, forgotten, I think, is the Old Testament imagery. Old Testament imagery. And this is briefly mentioned in 1 Peter 3. Peter there mentions Noah and the ark as it relates to baptism. And what the point of, if you go back to that uh, Noah narrative in Genesis, um, you remember Noah was told by God, hey, I'm going I'm to judge the earth and wipe out the earth by flooding. And he tells Noah, hey, build an ark and get on it, right? And so Noah had a, had a chance to not believe that, right? And he didn't have all the information. He just, he had to have faith. He had a, there was an element of trust Noah had to have in God that Noah was actually going to save him. So Noah builds the ark, his family gets on it, the animals get on it. And if we remember the narrative, God's the one that actually seals the ark. He seals the ark and protects them. And so they are protected on this ark and they go through the water. And the water is a, in that narrative is a symbol of death. But they pass through the water and after the waters recede, we know that they come out of the boat and they're fine. God protected them. God saved them. And so as a person who knew that narrative well, especially if you were a Jewish person and knew the Old Testament, that's why Peter connects back to it. Because baptism is meant to be a kind of a, a, new, um, a, a new ark or new water. And how that, or you could say the Old Testament is pointing to baptism in the Noah flood there. Like water passing through it brought life. Okay, and that was a symbol for um, someone that was, that was Jewish and um, had, um, had that background and had that knowledge. And we also know that water, back in that time period, even the time period of Jesus, water was scary. Water was, you, we didn't have the science to study water. You didn't know what was underneath the surface of the water. Water was seen as mysterious and play, uh, a symbol of death, and it was dangerous and wild, and we didn't understand atmosphere and climate and and all the other things that live in the water. So it was, it was considered mysterious and dangerous. And so water in the Old Testament was used both for life and for death. You have Moses, the birth of Moses. If you remember, he was placed in a basket and then placed in the water. And that, ba- that basket rep- kind of represents a little, a very small ark. Oh, as, as a baby passes through that water until he is found by um, the daughter of Pharaoh, right? And then Moses is saved by passing through the water in an ark, right? Or a basket. Um, You also have um, the parting of the Red Sea, right? uh, 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 Moses comes up, he's leading his people. Um, Egypt is behind him. His um, um, Red Sea's in front of him, water's in front of him. What does he do? Well, God makes a way, parts the water. He passes again through the water, and through the water to life on the other side, then we know what God does. God fills the sea back up as soon as the Hebrews, God's people, got across. Okay, many of you kids probably know that story, especially if you've had the Jesus Storybook Bible. This is um, Moses and the Exodus. And you remember Jonah, three days in the fish. 
Okay, Jonah's on that boat. If you remember, again, kids, you know this one. It's in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Jonah's on, that bo- Jonah's on the boat. He's running away from God, and then God brings a storm. And the only way Jonah's going to get saved in that moment, and, it's gonna, and, the, and the sailors are going to get saved, is if Jonah throws himself over the board. He asks them to throw him, throw him over. And he is saved in the water by a fish swallowing him, right? And then he spat back up out of the water. But once again, through the water, um, Jonah is saved. And so you have all this imagery in the Old Testament that connects to baptism, especially baptism by immersion, in, in, in my opinion, how that, those two things connect. So when the Jewish audience is hearing these things, they are for sure connecting the dots, at least most of them, between baptism and water baptism and all these elements of water passing through them, salvation, overcoming death, all of those things were wrapped up in water. So we said, yes, it is a symbol. It is a symbol and it's an important symbol. But I will say one caution for us in the Baptist position here, because we don't want to connect it to salvation, we, are, we can sometimes swing the pendulum too far and say, you know what, it's not important, right? Salvation is by grace alone, not baptism. And so by doing that, we minimize baptism. And as a church, we've always fought not to minimize it. That's why we make a whole day built around it. And we say, this is important. And I'm teaching on it because this is important. It's very important. It's one of the two things, again, Jesus said, church, do this and do it often. And so baptism is very, very important and very, very meaningful. But again, it does not save. And we can stand firm on that. Okay. Now, what does baptism symbolize? Similar to those, the, the picture of the wedding rings, right? It's a it's a, um, an outward sign of an inward reality, right? So those, those wedding rings that we saw, you see those wedding rings and you immediately know. If somebody's walking around with a wedding ring in our culture on the left ring finger, you know that person's married, right? Just by having that symbol on that finger, you can gain a lot of information about someone and the, the fact that they're married. Same thing about baptism. It's a symbol or an outward sign of something that's happened internally. You could, always say, you could also say that baptism tells a short story of the gospel. If you didn't know anything about baptism, or even did not even th- maybe even never heard of the word baptism, and you came into this room, probably initially, the first few people, it would feel a little weird, right? Like, okay, why are these people getting drowned? Like, why are these people up front trying to drown other people and it seems good? Like that, like just if you didn't know anything about baptism, this is weird, right? This is weird. Like, what are we doing here? Like if you're just walking off another planet. Um, But after a few and after the congregation celebrates, you start to, you would start to put together without words, oh, wait, these people are doing the same thing. This has meaning. There's a, this is a progression um, before death, after life. And, and you start to see this story taking place, even without words. And I think that's really a beautiful thing about baptism. Okay, so it really symbolizes two things, two things. And this is the last thing I'll say. So two things. One, it symbolizes what has happened in a person's life. Like really, what has happened inside of a person? When we walk in, we hear in a minute, when you see people walk into the water, before the water, they're gonna, it's going to represent um, their life before Jesus, right? Before Christ. Like the old person, the old creation. And then when they go under, it's like they're taking their old life under the water. Once again, under, underground. From out there, you won't see them anymore. For a split second, right? They'll go below the, the level of the trough here and they'll go under and they'll come back up. And that represents new life, new birth, uh, living now alive with Christ. And so those three movements represent something. Pre, pre-life in Christ, Going underwater symbolizes death 
that we've that those of us who have faith have 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 walked through the spiritual death and come back up um, in newness of life to walk with Jesus. Okay, so this is what is happening inside. Let's look at Romans six. This is one of the best teachings that we have on baptism. Romans six. This is Paul. He says, "Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death, in order that." Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in newness of life. Let's go and go do verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a res- res- resurrection like this. So this is telling us, again, there's, there's symbolism here of our death associates with the death of Christ. Christ was buried, right? Buried in a tomb, covered up by the rock. We were buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in new life. Christ has... Um, overcome death, he's alive. And so when we come out of the water, it's symbolizing and we're, we're showing that we're united to Christ in his resurrection. But this whole, this, the second meaning, which I think is even more important, is it symbolizes that we've been united to Jesus. Look at Matthew 28, 19. This is uh, uh, from the verse, from the passage we read earlier. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Okay, we get that in so it's kind of, we got to stop there. That's kind of an interesting baptizing them in, right? So it's not, he doesn't say water here. He says, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the triune God. This is the Trinity. So when we're baptized, we're baptized spiritually and mysteriously into the communion of the Trinity. We're united to Jesus when we are baptized spiritually. And, the, and, and union with Christ is arguably one of the most important theological ideas in all of the scriptures because all of the benefits that we have by being Christians and being followers of Jesus is, is kind of really comes out of that union with Christ. Okay, baptism is a story of what has happened to us as a person, but it symbolizes the union with Christ. This idea that we're united with him in his life. Even though we didn't live a perfect life, we can, we're united. His life that he lived perfectly becomes our life. We didn't have to die the death that he died because he died it for us, even though we deserved it. But we're uniting ourselves to him um, when we're saved. And we're also uniting ourselves to his life now as he's resurrected and he lives. And this is for those who have, had, who have faith in him. And the scriptures say if you are a Christian, your life is hidden with him. It's hidden with him. And you think about all the implications of this. This means that when, when, when God created the world, he created us per- perfectly to walk with him. Sin comes into the world and all human beings are separated from him. The scriptures say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we can't be in his presence. We can't be in relationship with him unless we're perfect, unless we're perfectly holy. And none of us on earth can do that. There's only been one perfect person ever and that is Jesus. So there's a problem, right? So we need someone to help us back into relationship with God. And this is where Jesus comes in. This is where the good news of the gospel comes in. He, he lives a life that God demands we live. He died a death that we deserve to die. And when we have faith, we're united to him. When this is good news for those who don't know Jesus, because you don't have to clean yourself up to come to God. You don't have to become a new person on your own. You don't have to become extra moral um, to get into the kingdom. You don't have to look like your friends who are Christians necessarily to come into the kingdom. You just have to have faith that Jesus' righteousness becomes your righteousness when you have faith because we're united to him. Now, for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, it's still good news that we're united to him because every morning when you wake up, you're still united to him. It's not up to you to be perfect. 
God's not, doesn't have a righteousness meter to say, you know, so-and-so needs to be righteous. Jeremy needs to be righteous today to remain in a relationship with me. And oftentimes as followers of Jesus, we kind of treat the Christian life that way. That is not the deal. We wake up, we have the full righteousness of Christ every morning belonging to us, and it stays full the whole day. That never changes because it is Jesus's righteousness and he is perfect. So it's not dependent upon our righteousness. So now we have the freedom to live in a way that honors and glorifies him. And when we mess up, we go to him and say, Jesus, for, God, forgive me. Thank you, thank you for your sending your son. And I thank you that this isn't depending on my righteousness, but it's on Jesus's righteousness. And you're awesome and you're amazing for that grace. God, help me, help me change my behavior. Help me be a new creation. Help me live like the person that you say I am. And that is the Christian life. That is the good news of the gospel. So all of that is symbolized by what we are observing today. This is what the people being baptized are saying. I'm, I'm united to Christ. He's, he's mine and I'm his. Nothing can take this away from me. I, I have freedom and joy. I will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. I'm his, I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I, will, I, I, I have an inheritance waiting for me when I die or Jesus comes back. That's what they're saying when they are professing their faith to us today. So it's important when, when this is happening, that's what is being communicated. Now, I'll ask a question before we get started. What is stopping you from getting baptized? If you're not baptized, what's stopping you? What's preventing you from doing that? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you are saved, but you haven't been baptized. I'd like to have a conversation with you. What's stopping you from being baptized? If you're not a follower of Jesus, then we know that what maybe is stopping you from being baptized is actually having a relationship with God. So as you're observing this and you're thinking about this, I would, I would challenge you to think about the story that's being told in these people who are, who, are giving, um, who are giving testimony of what God's done. Kids in the room, kids in the room, I want, I want to see your eyes real, real quick. If I've lost you, I want to see your eyes. I want you to watch this. I want you to watch what's happening. Okay, watch, watch. And, and, and it's, the, why, why are people getting dipped under the water, right? Why are people take swimming here this morning? You may be asking, okay? Go back and ask your parents, right? After this, watch, think of questions, and go back and ask your parents or an adult in your life and ask them what's, what's happening, what, what was going on up there, okay? And parents and adults will pray that you, you, you lean on the Spirit and go to the Scriptures to explain this to the kids. So here are the directions, okay? I'm about to, we're about to start this. I'm gonna, we're going to call people up one by one, and here's your role. Again, remember, you're a part of this. This isn't passive. This is, everything's active this morning, okay? Your job is to go crazy after they come up out of the water, all of them. Because remember what this story is telling. This is the greatest news, the greatest thing that has ever happened in all of these persons' lives. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. That is what is happening. So like the angels rejoice when one sinner comes, gets saved, we want to rejoice as well today. And then again, reflect on questions of, of when you were baptized and let God encourage you and restore you and restore your confidence. And maybe ask the question, why haven't you been baptized? Okay. So let me, let me, uh, let me pray for us and then um, we'll get started on this. Father, I pray more than anything that you're honored by what we're about to do in this time, that you're honored, that you're glorified, and that, um, yeah, that I'm so happy for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are telling their story today. This is about you. It's not about Providence Road. It's not even about them primarily. It's about you and your grace and your beauty 
and your forgiveness and all of the things. And I pray that you would be the hero of the rest of the morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.